Stephanie Carvin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. Professor, first of all, people talk about 5G and everything else, but I'm not sure the average person understands what 5G is. Could you just give a very brief explanation of this technology? Well, that's a, it's a great question. It is, it's complicated and, and very technical and heavy, but I think what most average Canadians need to know is that it's the next generation of kind of cell phone technology and technology that's really going to power the next industrial revolution in some ways. It's going to make our internet speeds much faster. It's going to enable things like remote surgeries, perhaps, or uh, autonomous vehicles. It's going to make downloads just lightning fast. So, you know, the ability to have this technology is just going to be so important for countries. And they want the fastest, best, and cheapest technology that's available to them. What are the security issues surrounding this that may not exist with the current technology then? So uh, there's a bunch of different questions about it. Uh, I think it's just, you know, the fact that uh, the 5G infrastructure itself is going to be so important. So the idea that someone or some nation, possibly adversarial nation, could have some control over it is, you know, very much in the minds of national security agencies around the world. You know, we've had a lot of pushback in the United States, but, you know, there's also a conversation going on in Europe and even here in Canada. So I think some of the concerns are, one, that this technology could be used, you know, if it's transporting so much data, could an adversarial state somehow sneak in what's called a backdoor or some kind of malicious code that would enable them to actually steal the information to spy on societies or steal intellectual property? Or could it actually even, as I said earlier, shut down the, you know, the, the technology entirely if it was upset at a particular country and wanted to uh, conduct some kind of operation against it? So I think these are the two major concerns that I have heard expressed. Now, Britain has said they're going to allow uh, Huawei uh, partial uh, access to developing the 5G network. First of all, what does that mean, partial access? And secondly, why would they go to Huawei if there are these concerns that have been raised repeatedly about Huawei and, and spying? So basically what they've said is they're only going to allow any system to have up to 35% of Huawei products. So in other words, Huawei won't be able to dominate the system. It's going to be capped at just how much Huawei equipment that you can have. And I think it's also limiting the kinds of antennas that it will be used because antennas will be how uh, the, the signal is effectively broadcast, but uh, and where those um, towers can effectively be. So they'll be away from nuclear power plants and uh, various sensitive sites. So it's taking what I would call a regulatory approach. So really, we've seen countries talk about banning Huawei, and we've seen countries talking about regulating Huawei. And the reason it has effectively chosen this, it says a couple of things. One is that banning Huawei isn't enough to protect cybersecurity. I think there's some concern that if you just simply ban it, that somehow you're safer. That's not true. I mean, China is known to engage in widespread espionage against governments, against companies, against people. It doesn't actually need Huawei equipment to do that. So I think what they're saying is, well, look, a Huawei has good equipment. It has cheap equipment. What we need to do is layer security on it. So we're going to test the equipment. So we're going to monitor the equipment. We're going to limit where it can be used. And so we're going to take this layered security approach because it's better to have Huawei and work with Huawei than it is to just simply ban it. And then China will find another way to kind of do the kind of scary technical things that we think it could do anyway.
Well, Professor Carvin, we've had other countries. Uh, Canada, of course, is part of the, the Five Eyes Network, allied security system. Uh, other countries like the United States and Australia, for example, have banned Huawei over these security concerns. Uh, Canada already has Huawei involved in communications in this country, don't they? We do, so, but that's a 4G level, or what's often, you know, if you look at your phone, it'll often say LTE. So uh, Huawei is, so the Harper government in uh, around 2013 reached a, basically a similar, similar regulatory approach to Huawei. So what it is in Canada, we have these so-called white labs. These are labs that are actually funded by Huawei, where they bring in independent experts who hammer and test the Huawei equipment, uh, as well as you have... Um, uh, kind of regulation. So Huawei, for example, isn't involved in any kind of core government operations, those kinds of things. So um, I think that that's the current approach we have now, which was essentially adopted by the Harper government, which is interesting because the uh, conservatives presently are very much against Huawei and encouraging the liberals not to, to permit them to actually exist here in Canada. So, um, but yeah, so that, but it's a different system. I mean, the, the fact is the LTE, the 4G systems are a faster cell phone connection and that's good. But what we're really talking about here is a major technological shift when it comes to 5G. And so this is some of the concern that we're hearing expressed that, you know, this technology is going to be so important. Do we actually want Huawei to have access to North American systems where, you know, there's uh, concerns expressed that, you know, effectively Huawei is an arm of the Chinese state. Certainly this is the American argument. Well, there, there has been no proof as of yet, as far as I know, that Huawei has built in backdoors and so on into their systems. But supposing Huawei did come across some sensitive security information, to what extent would they want to or be obliged to hand that over to the Chinese government? great question. Uh, simply because, you know, we often hear Huawei say things like, well, Huawei obeys the laws of the company, uh, of, of sort of the country that it's in, that Huawei actually, you know, uh, would never obey those kinds of orders from the Chinese government. We've heard Huawei Canada say that numerous times. I think there's a problem with that, which is that, let's say, uh, you know, Huawei was caught doing something illegal in Canada, and we wanted to prosecute them. Well, We've seen the Chinese government act on behalf of Huawei in the sense that, you know, we arrested the chief financial officer at the request of the United States in December 2018, the Meng case that I think probably most of your listeners are familiar with. And then China immediately arrests two Canadians on espionage charges and also then uh, increases uh, the sentence of two Canadians in jail to death sentences. So in other words, what I'm concerned with, the technical question, the, the technical issue, I think sometimes is overstated. I think it's a risk management approach. It's not, it, it, it's a reasonable approach to take. My problem with Huawei is that it can circumvent the rule of law through kidnapping, through uh, threats. Uh, and what we're seeing right now in Germany is the fact that uh, the American, you know, the China has basically said, unless you let Huawei into your country, we will ban all German cars. So the fact is that Huawei can say all it wants that it's going to obey the law, while knowing that China is going to be more than willing to make threats on its behalf. So I don't think we should look at the Huawei issue as just a technical threat. It's a really kind of a larger geoeconomic issue 
that is about how you actually deal with a state champion's company, particularly when that state is willing to engage in the kinds of uh, activities that could potentially allow Huawei to skirt the rule of law. Uh, The final question then, Professor Carvin. How urgent is the need for 5G? I mean, Canada is sort of stalling on this issue and has for some time deciding whether or not it's going to allow Huawei to develop the system. How urgent is this? I think it is relatively urgent, and I think there's some frustration that we haven't yet seen uh, the government of Canada make these decisions. But at the same time, I think this is something we want to get right, then get fast. It's not just Canada that's having a hard time with this decision. We're seeing a European government looking at each other. They're looking to their Western partners. Um, You know, here in Ottawa, we often see um, Western governments trying to find out what Canada's position is going to be, because really what we need is a coordinated approach. And we're not really seeing that. So while these questions are urgent, I think that, you know, the long-term implications of this are serious. And it's something that you do want to get right, rather than to get fast. And, and I think that this, so, so it's, it's kind of weird. We've spent a long time trying to get the government out of our economies, out of our technical decisions. And all of a sudden, because of these new geopolitical threats and situations, we're realizing that we have to somehow fit national security back in. And uh, basically everything I've heard in the last two weeks from Bill Blair, the Minister of Public Safety, and yesterday from Navdeep Baines, the Minister of Innovation, Science and Economic Development, is that geoeconomics and geopolitics is playing both of these are playing an important role in the, the decision that Canada is making right now. And this is why I think it's going to take some time. Professor Stephanie Carvin, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having me.